Hi everyone, and welcome to Butter No Parsnips. That's the name of the podcast. Yes, right? it is. I was gonna say it in unison with you, but then I realized over recording that might not go so well. Maybe we could do it like one of those, like, uh, like when you hear a group of children yell something in unison, and it's not in it's unison not re- at all. Yeah, but but they're just saying it. Yeah. All right, let's try that again. Uh, hey everybody, and welcome to Butter, Butter No, no Parsnips. Parsnips. Yeah, that was rough. <laughs> Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. Every week on Butter No Parsnips, your hosts Emily Moyers and Kyle Imperator take you on an adventure through the weird, wacky, wonderful, and sometimes even wicked world of one wayside word. Strange characters, delightful bits, and general joyousness abound. Join them as they test each other's etymological expertise. I'm Kyle. I'm, Are we going to continue? Yeah, Should let's we do just that keep again? going. No, no. Yep, I'm Emily. By the way, <laughs> by the way, Kyle and Emily, uh, we're uh, such a pair. Yeah. Uh, and today we got a great word for you, and I don't know what it is, but I'm about to find out. That's Emily, right. lay it on me. All right, Kyle, your word for this week, I assume mm-hmm. it's weekly, is Billingsgate. 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 B i l l i n g s. G-A-T-E. Billings, like the accounting term, gate, like a door in a fence. Now, is Billingsgate... Okay. So, I'm assuming that this is not a proper noun. Not in this context. Not in this context. So, right away, my guess is this isn't about something uh, controversial that happened at a hotel, is it? (laughs) <laughs> no, it is no, not. But not. that's a good guess. <laughs> okay. The, the Billingsgate Hotel. Yeah. Um is it so what is it a is it a noun? Is it an adjective? It is it could it kind of can be used as both. It is generally a noun, but I've also seen it being used as a descriptor. Generally a noun, but used as okay. That is wacky. Like you can say Billingsgate or Billingsgate blank. And the blank is something very specific. But if I, <laughs> but if I told you, then it would give away. Thank the you for describing adjectives to me, Emily. <laughs> You're welcome. We're really getting this started off. Listen, with this a is punch. A, this is an educational podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so I could say Greg went did Billingsgatedly. No, you can't use it as an adverb, can you? No. What's the what's the all right, what's the country of origin? Can I ask that? You can, and the answer is England. England. Oh, I can give boy. you a, a time period if you want. Could have guessed well. that. Yeah, give me a time period. It is uh 16th, 17th century. 16th, 17th century. So that's what, like the year four hundred AD? Nope, that is uh seventeen eighteen hundreds. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Billingsgate. No, oh, okay. backwards, 1500s. Oh, gosh. Oh, so it's even older. Yeah. Billingsgate, and it's a noun or an adjective. Oh, boy. Oh, is it, um, uh, is it like a thing, like a, like a Billingsgate, like a, like a, like a place where you would maybe get, like, your taxes done in, in so, medieval England? <laughs> uh, Billingsgate is a place, and the word is a reference to something that happened at this place or okay. something that happened frequently at this place. Was it debauchery? Are we going straight for that? Uh, no, it is not debauchery, but you're sort of you're, in the right direction in that it is something, right 
it is something maybe not befitting of a of a proper um proper company proper company so is it like like just illegal activity not illegal like fraud uh not illegal um like drinking no but it's not debauchery so it's not like sexy stuff not necessarily not but it can be sexy stuff it could Oh, God. No, it's not. Everything could be sexy. What? <laughs> no, I think I'm wrong. I don't think it can be sexy. I can give you another hint, though. Yeah, give me, lay another one on me. All right. So the in the descriptor sense, you could say Billingsgate language or just Billingsgate on its own. I got to be honest. I don't think that helps me, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to uh, give up? Yeah, yeah. I yield. Tell All me, right. tell me what, where, how to open the Billingsgate. <laughs> All <laughs> right. So Billingsgate means uh, coarse or abusive language, slander or derogatory remarks. Okay. I gotcha. Oh, wait, what? Just, it's just such a weird word. Okay. So like, so like if I'm talking about somebody who's like curses, like a sailor, yeah. he's using Billingsgate. Yeah. Or uh, talking in Billingsgate language in Billingsgate. oh like an adjective like that i see uh, okay so tell me where does where does billingsgate come from so billingsgate was a fish market it was just like a general marketplace f- since the 13th century but around the 16th 17th century it became a fish market specifically and it was like a huge hub for trade on the Thames. And as trade on the Thames increased, particularly in the Victorian era, which is kind of leading up to the, or just after the 16th century, Billingsgate became like the biggest fish market in the world. And it was known at the time for being full of very foul-mouthed fishmongers. Sailors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like all the people, you know, selling fish were like desperate to make ends meet. Yeah. So they they swore like sailors. <laughs> oh my gosh. So Billingsgate became sort of synonymous with foul language. So it was just like uh like so people just started to reference Billingsgate as like a foul language place and yeah. then it slowly became just well that's just Billingsgate. Yeah, exactly. God, I love English slang. It's so yes. strange. <laughs> and what's what's fun in particular is that most or a lot of the fishmongers there were women so it it kind of what? became specifically like foul like billingsgate was referring to foul language from women specifically oh my gosh that's hilarious yes i mean you you said the the phrase to swear like a sailor there was sort of an equivalent expression which was to swear like a fishwife oh my gosh that's just really interesting so yeah like so the so the fishmongers were there let's let's picture it billingsgate uh 1580 right yeah um the fishmongers are there they're they're uh we're gonna put in sounds of the fish market here right yeah so we got the fishes squealing that's what fishes do when they're getting killed um and we got uh we got the sailors who are like all right if the fishmongery is get your fish here yeah right yeah, the foghorn uh, of a ship going by. Yeah, yeah, just... <laughs> That's what, what a foghorn sounds like. Yeah, yep. well, yeah, I mean, it, I, it's louder because I'm not a ship's horn, but it's yeah. there, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's all these, um, like, wives and daughters of fishermen 
Yeah. Now, what are they there. saying, Emily? I, I mean, I can't say it. Goodness oh, gracious, I'm it. a lady. You got it. We'll, we'll bleep it out with fishmonger bleeps. Okay. What are, or with, with foghorn noises. Yeah, with foghorn yeah. sounds. Yes. Yeah. All the, all the uh, fishwives are saying, get your f***ing fish. Cause <laughs> oh, my if, God. Oh, you went straight for it, huh? If you don't mind, this is going to starve. <laughs> Listen to me, wife. She'll beat me with the fish. <laughs> but it's it's like a super interesting thing because there were, you know, the idea of like the fishwives, there were women working like all across the fishing industry all over England and Scotland. They were known as fish lasses or fish wives. Oh, that's so funny. Yes. And the wife part of it actually comes from an old English word that just meant woman. It doesn't actually mean like wife oh. specifically. Yeah. So sometimes it was their daughters or sisters or whoever. And they were known for being very foul-mouthed and like very hardy women, you know? Yeah. Do you think Do you think that's something like if you ended up marrying into it, you had to like learn how to be foul-mouthed? Like you had to take lessons in like anti-etiquette lessons? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I imagine it sort of came naturally because they were working amongst all the other fishermen they were kind of famed for there was particularly uh, a town called uh, color coats in england Col- color coats yeah or maybe the people from there were called color coats i think mm. c-u-l-l-e-r color coats fishwives were known for like searching for bait for the fishermen gathering shellfish and hauling in baskets of fish for miles from like the fishing town to the marketplace. I mean, these were some like badass women. Yeah, they they were. And they were very like aggressive merchants, which is sort of where this the Billingsgate language came in. The fishermen would literally give their catches to their wives and daughters and sisters to sell because they knew the women would get more money. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> because they were like just really sharp businesswomen. Sure, yeah. Shrewd. Yeah, exactly. And they were kind of, you know, like the idea of like the hardworking fishwife was like an admired thing. They were like the subjects of a lot of paintings and poems and literature. There was kind of like a romanticism about it. That's fascinating. Uh, is, is there is there anything that I like might recognize? Any paintings or anything like that? There's a there's a poet whose name is Adrian van Ostade. He's a Dutch van poet. Ostade. Um, and he did, uh, I think, a bunch of paintings of fishwives and, and kind of the romanticism of it. That's really interesting. Oh, that's right. There's also a woman named Dolly Peel who Wikipedia lists as a notorious fishwife. Oh, gosh. She's like got a statue in her hometown. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Is it like the like the Lucille Ball statue where it was so bad and they had to replace it? No, it's it's a lovely statue. Oh, wait, like I wait. said, like it was a very like admired thing. Of, of but like, you said notorious. Yeah, I guess maybe they're misusing that word here. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just notorious meaning famous. <laughs> I thought maybe she was famous for like she was the worst fishmonger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no. Notorious for everybody losing their money because they had to buy all her fish. Yeah. I haven't eaten anything but fish in weeks. All because of Dolly Peel. Dolly Peel. But no, it, it really was, like like I said, like a very romanticized thing. I have a quote here. Yeah, right from on me. an author named William S. Garson, 
1935. Uh, he said the color coat's fishwife plays a man's part in helping to launch the lifeboat, frequently wading waist high into furious and ice cold waters, and she never hesitates to allow her man to take a place on the boat, though he may go to face death and disaster. Oh my gosh. It's like somewhere between Alaskan king crab fishing and sending yeah. your husband off to war. Yeah, exactly. But the word Billingsgate in particular, it, like I said, it kind of came about as the actual place Billingsgate became more and more popular. The earliest reference of like using the word in that way is from 1577 in Raphael Hollinshed's Chronicles of England, Scotland, and Ireland, more specifically in his account of King Lear. The person or the play? Well, so Lear of Britain, spelled L-E-I-R, he was already sort of like a pseudo-historical, like legendary king, actually long before the Shakespeare play was written. Wow. Yeah, and that's it's the case for a couple of Shakespeare plays. Uh, Macbeth is like the most notable one that he didn't actually write the story of Macbeth. That story kind of already existed. And it's the same with King Lear. The story of King Lear was first written in a book called The History of British Kings in the 12th Century by a guy named Geoffrey of Monmouth. Well, of course. It always comes down to Monmouth. Always. <laughs> yeah. Always. And and his history of the British kings was sort of t taken to be a true historical account of the history of British kings for like 400 years. But then people started comparing it to like other histories of the same time. And it turns right. out it's just wildly inaccurate. Jeffrey <laughs> was just making shit up. <laughs> yeah. And then I think we had a king called uh, Crabhands. Yeah. Cra mm. King Crabhand. Yep. Yeah. King Crabhands. Do uh, Dolly Peel was his queen. <laughs> yeah. She caught him at sea. <laughs> That's right. But yeah, Jeff, uh, uh, King Lear was one of the kings in his uh, history. Um, and there was there have been like several, you know, accounts of that story. The, the basic story was about the same with like the three daughters and him dividing up his kingdom and all of that. People who have read King Lear know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Everybody else, you can go suck it. Travel to Monmouth, why don't you? <laughs> Get a story a lesson from old Jeff. That's right. But yeah, Raphael Hollinshed's was like one of the more popular versions of the story. And the one that uh, is thought to be the resource that Shakespeare used when he was writing the play. That's fun. But in it, a character is talking about a messenger and how he has really bad language. And the character says the messenger has, quote, as bad a tongue as any oyster wife at Billingsgate hath. I love oyster wife. I do too. <laughs> like it's a separate species yeah. from fish wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't do fish. I just do oysters. Just the, just the oysters. I'm an oyster wife. Don't you call me a fish wife. <laughs> and don't even get me started on those clam wives. <laughs> That's Dolly Peel's business. <laughs> Dolly. Take that one up with Ms. Peel. <laughs> I do, I just do oysters. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I wow. I love I love Billingsgate. It to, I mean modern day. It to me it sounds like like a really great way to talk shit about somebody who's got a foul mouth. Yeah. Without yeah. them knowing or without other people catching on. Yeah. Is it used like nowadays? Like do do people use it? The British, I assume. I couldn't really find any modern uses of it. The, most of the ones that I found were from the 1700s okay. or earlier. 
My favorite one that I found is from, it's, it was actually an entry in a book called A Classical Dictionary of the Vulgar Tongue. Good. Yes. It was written by or compiled by this man named Francis Gross. Francis Gross. It's G-R-O-S-E. And it was meant to be uh, like a slang dictionary from the streets of London. Um, That's fun. So Francis Gross, which based on the picture of him that I found was a a well-to-do gentleman. He and his assistant and his assistant's name is Tom Cocking. Of course it is. Tom Cocking. The two of them just... Gross and Cocking. Gross and Cocking. Yeah. They just sort of traipsed around the streets of London trying to (laughs) listen to what the common folk were saying and put together this dictionary, like explaining slang phrases and things. And one of them is Billingsgate language. And it is defined as foul language or abuse. And then below it, it says, Billingsgate is the market where the fishwomen assemble to purchase fish and where, in their dealings and disputes, they are somewhat apt to leave decency and good manners a little on the left hand. <laughs> what a kind way to put it. A little on the left hand. <laughs> a little on the left hand. I love that. <laughs> I mean, I just love the idea of gross and cocking. Yes. As like a, as like a, a, a duo. Yeah. Traveling the countryside. And the other funny thing about it is like a lot of the, I looked through this book at length and a lot of the entries in it are just like, there's no way that anyone would ever say that. That's ridiculous. (laughs) And what occurred to me is that like Francis Gross was not of the common people. So he could have just heard one guy say something weird and went, yep, that must be what all the poor folk are saying. That's what they're all saying. I heard it from this guy. Why should I think otherwise? Yeah. So there's definitely stuff in there that's not real. <laughs> Do you think they took one of the fishwives as a like a Sacagawea figure? Oh my to God. help translate there. That's Dolly Peel. <laughs> yeah, that was Dolly Peel. <laughs> yeah. So as I was researching this word, I found another book that is called A New Vocabulary of Modern Billingsgate Phrases from 1782. Uh, of specifically Billingsgate? Well, so... Or does it mean like curse words? Yeah, it just sort of means curse words. <sighs> Get ready, Kyle, because this is going to be a long walk. I'm ready. This is a book my gir- is... my My loins are girded, <laughs> Good. one may say. I'm glad. Are your parsnips <laughs> buttered? My parsnips have been fully buttered... Yeah. My oysters have been shucked. That's good. So this is a book that is about another book that a different person wrote. And that book is about the writings of another person. Good, 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 good. We're in so many layers. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So let me start at the beginning. So in the 1700s, there Mm -hmm. was a schism in the Church of Scotland. Believe it or not, um, that's where I'm starting. (laughs) That is... I don't believe it, but we're here, so. (laughs) There was a schism in the Church of Scotland between the burghers or burgers who supported something called the Burgess Oath and the anti-burgers or burgers who did not. Of course. I think I had an anti-burger for dinner the other night. Yeah. Yeah. That's the the Beyond Burger alternative. Yeah. (laughs) So there was this Scottish reverend named Archibald Hall who was a very strong supporter of the Burgess Oath. He was a burger. And then there was another Scottish religious leader named Adam Gibb, who was an anti-burger. And Adam Gibb 
published a book called An Examination of His Survey of the Religious Clause of Some Burgess Oaths, etc. Yeah. In yeah, which yeah, yeah. he just roasts Archibald Hall for being mm-hmm. a burger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, so he roasts him, and then he doubles down on each of his insults individually. So in Ex- his... Yeah, explain that. So in his, in the sort of the prologue of the book, he's just talking about how Archibald Hall is wrong and bad and dumb. And he says, and I quote, Now for it, in all caps... You, Hall, the surveyor, are a base, impudent, brazen-faced villain, a spiteful, ignorant pedant, a gross idolater, great liar, mere slanderer, an evil man, and a seducer of the people, hardened against all shame and sense, and will stick at nothing. And then he says all that, and then he basically says, Now, in case you don't believe that I really mean what I just said, I'm going to quote, past writings of mine in which I've said each of those insults about Archibald Hall. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. So it's this whole long book. He's got firsthand sources that he Uh, cites of himself. Of himself. (laughs) To prove that he believes that. Yeah. So that whole book came out. And then somebody else put out a book about Adam Gibbs' book. And I can't tell you who wrote this one. Because the author literally isn't listed anywhere. <laughs> good, 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 good. Well, I mean, I wouldn't want to be listed either, especially if I was replying to Adam Gibbs' book. Yeah. Because yeah. that guy, I mean, he would show up at your wedding and just, <laughs> you know. Yeah, he left an anonymous comment. <laughs> yeah, so that book, written by the mystery man, is a new vocabulary of modern Billingsgate phrases. And, well, so you know how a lot of times in old books, there's like a big title at the top of the page, but then the title just keeps going in one long yeah. run-on sentence yeah, all yeah, the yeah, way yeah. down the title page. So yeah, the complete really title, to the end of the book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the complete title of this book is A New Vocabulary of Modern Billingsgate Phrases for the Use of Clergymen and Others by Which They May Easily Learn to Abuse, Knock Down Their Antagonists with Propriety and Success, Without Troubling Their Heads About Reason or Argument, The Words and Phrases Warranted as the Very Best That Can Be Chosen for the Purpose, Being All of Them Most Recently Practiced in the Course of the Severe Drubbing Given to the Late Worthy and Reverend Archibald Hall by that renowned champion and mighty warrior, the Reverend Mr. Adam Gibb. Wow. And the book is basically just this author chastising Adam Gibb for attacking Archibald Hall in such a vicious and vulgar way. So he wasn't upset that he was mad. He wasn't upset that he was he was making fun of Archibald. He was upset that he did it slanderously. Exactly. He was like, listen, we all have our opinions. Can't we just be civil about it? Wow. I, how did Archibald fare in all of this? Was he, like, taken from his position? I couldn't find a lot about any of these men. Well, listen, maybe that's for the best, you know? It sounds like they were toxic people. <laughs> yeah, truly, truly. It feels like they didn't have Billingsgate at heart, you know? They had it in 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 mind and in voice, but yes. they weren't Billingsgate at heart. They weren't That's good right. hearty people. I mean, the true message of Billingsgate is to selfish. <laughs> I like how we're talking about Billingsgate like it's a, a moral holiday now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> the true spirit of Billingsgate is to selfish with a saucy tongue. That's right. <laughs> so 
So for our mini game today, Kyle. Ooh, a mini game. The mini game is called That's Just Grows. Oh. Yeah, as in Francis Grows, our boy Francis. Oh, do I have to describe him? Yeah, I want you to just guess what he looks like. <laughs> I, I bet you I could get close. No, but I I enjoyed so much looking at his classical dictionary of the vulgar tongue, I thought I would just read you a couple of the really crazy phrases in there and see if you can guess what they mean. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So, number one, mm-hmm. what do you think it means if someone is in the province of Bacchus? Oh, in the uh, Bacchus, like B-A-C-C-H-U-S? Correct. This one's pretty gettable. I would say they're wasted. Yeah, they're inebriated. Just sloshed. Yeah. Just really friggin' sauced, you know? They are in the province of Bacchus. In the province of Bacchus. Yeah. Number two, what do you think it means if someone's wits have gone a wool gathering? A wool gathering? (laughs) (laughs) Well... I would say if their wits have gone that way, wool gathering, yeah, oh, they ain't getting them back. Are, are, is, it, is it like somebody who's like out of their mind? No, it's uh, less permanent. Less permanent. Oh, somebody who's just uh, like angry, upset. No. Oh, is it somebody who's? <laughs> you get one more guess. Just particularly dumb. No, it just means they're lost in thought. Oh, oh, that's fun. Yeah, isn't it? Their wits like have gone a wool gathering. Number three, this is also a fun one. What does it mean if someone has tongue enough for two sets of teeth? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd say it means they're probably a pretty good lover. Nope. What? I, nope. I, don't I, use, I didn't mean that's what it means. I'm so just literally. <laughs> I didn't think that's what it means. I'm just saying I think that's what it means. You know oh, what I mean? Like inside. Yeah. Um, <laughs> th- uh, they talk a lot. Yeah, you got it. Just chatty Cathy's. Yeah. That's fun. Those like, are really good. My friend Seth, he's got tongue enough for two sets of teeth. Yeah, he sure does. Jeez. <laughs> what do you think it means if someone has outrun the constable? Well, they must be, I don't know, thin because they can run fast. No. Uh, outrun the constable are are they just like sly like get away with like can get away with things sort of it means uh, someone who has lived above his means or income oh oh that's fun yeah and uh, lastly yeah this is the most fun one Mm -hmm. what do you think it means if someone (laughs) was born under a three penny half penny planet never to be worth a groat planet Yep, born under a three-penny, half-penny planet, comma, never to be worth a groat. G-R-O-A-T, a word a, that I'm sure you know. You know, I feel like I do somewhere in the banks of my mind, somewhere in my vulgar Billingsgate dictionary. <laughs> yeah. Um, I Oh, I got no clue for this one. Never to be worth a groat. I mean, no. that's kind of the key. It's, it's someone who is remarkably unsuccessful in his attempts and is gotcha. probably not going to be worth much in life. <laughs> not worth a single groat. Yes. Couldn't groat, even get a hay groat. Which is apparently a grain I've just looked up. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Groat. Groat. Uh, yeah, so that's that's what I got for Billingsgate and all our vulgar language. That's a great word and that's 
there's a lot of great little um, anecdotes in there that I think I can use in my daily life. And I'm definitely going to say from now on that whenever I'm lost in a daze, I'm going to say my wits have gone a wool gathering. Yeah, that's a fun one. <laughs> in any case, thanks everybody for listening. Yeah, thank you so much for coming. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, we'll see you next week. Theme music. Yep, and that's it. Thank you for listening to Butter No Parsnips. Butter No Parsnips is produced by Seth Glicksman, Emily Moyers, and Kyle Imperator. The theme music and additional music is by Kyle Imperator. If you liked listening to this episode, subscribe and give us a good rating and or positive review wherever you heard it. If you really liked listening, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips. There you can get bonus content you can't get anywhere else, like the monthly Patreon-exclusive podcast Buttered Parsnips, where this month Kyle and Emily talk about the origins of the show and the meaning of its title. Your support means the world to us and encourages us to keep making more. Thanks in advance and we'll We'll be back next week.